0: Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to SOMA's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma church. Enjoy the message. And then today, a big part of the reason why we do what we do is for life change. We've seen over 500 people give their lives to Jesus this year as a church. we got 22 baptisms happening today. Y'all can clap for that. So if you haven't taken your next step and going public with your faith in Jesus, the reason why we practice water baptism is because Jesus practices water baptism. And so he sets this precedent for us that this is what we're supposed to do. And Colossians tells us water baptism is really just an outward expression of really inwardly what God has already done. Your faith saves you. It's by, by the the grace that God offers in Christ and this faith that we attach to who we are in Jesus. But we just want to tell people who we are in Jesus. And it's supposed to be awkward and it's supposed to be vulnerable And it's supposed to, but it's a powerful thing whenever you're willing to stand up in front of family and friends and really the world and be like, here's who I am in Christ. And so I just want to honor everybody who's taking the next step in baptism today. And we celebrate and honor you. At the end of services today, baptisms are going to take place at all of our services. If you want to get baptized and you weren't planning on it, but the Holy Spirit was planning on it. And he's like... Today's your day. We got you covered, everything you could possibly need. Team, would love to serve you after services. The good news about having so many services is you've got time in between to pray through it, talk, have conversations, and, and if you want to be a part, you can be a part. We're pumped for baptisms today. Uh, we are in a season called Christmas at Soma. This is what we do every December, and uh, our series is Good News of Great Joy. Like If we could frame Christmas in one way, in one One piece of language, what would it be? And we would use the language that's in Luke 2. We feel like Christmas is good news of great joy. And it's just an amazing story. And it's not just a story. Because there's so many stories, so many movies, Christmas movies, or stories that you hear from family and friends, things like that, which are fun. But this is like this really happened. And and uh, that God showed up on the scene and that it's such a powerful thing. The way that God chose to show up is in the form of family. And so there's this teenage girl and uh, she's a virgin and she's engaged to a guy named Joseph. And he's a carpenter, really simple, humble beginnings. And they're in Nazareth. And uh, and but there's a census that takes place. And so. Joseph, they have to go to Bethlehem, and, um, and the reason why they go to Bethlehem is because it fulfills a prophecy, and, and they show up in Bethlehem, and when they show up, there's no place for them, and so they end up in a very, again, very humble space, just a stable setting, and the king of kings is laid in a manger, and God decides, of, of everyone on earth, who is it that I'm going, to, who am I going to talk, I'm going to tell this news first, this good news of great joy? Who am I going to tell first? And he decides to tell just a group of shepherds out on the field. And it says this in Luke 2, 8 through 10. And in the same reason, region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, say it with me, all the people. This is good news of great joy for all the people. And I think that is a massive takeaway. If if you could sum Christmas up into one thing, what is it? It's good news of great joy. Who's it for? For everybody. And there's so much that tells us that this story is for everybody. The fact that God chooses Mary, the fact that Joseph is a part of this mix, the fact that the shepherds are there, God, God God, in Matthew two, for example, they, they come a little late to the party. We like to put them in the nativity set, but the Magi show up on the scene. You know, he's a toddler at this point, but Magi show up and they roll up. God uses astrology. And some some mystics from like a, a foreign land to just draw to draw people to the King of Kings. It's a crazy story what God does, and so uh, I love this idea that it's good news of great joy for all the people. And um, when you this season especially as you spend time with extended family, as you gather with people that maybe you don't hang out with that much. Brooke and I were coming off of um, two Christmas parties. It's like a gauntlet of Christmas parties from now to the end of the year. Two Christmas parties with um, my dad's side of the family, my mom's side of the family. And you know when you hang together with people that you hadn't seen in a while? You got cousins and, you know, you got your aunts and your uncles and you got, you know, great grandma grandma or whoever in the mix. And you just look around the room and Christmas is just such a great reminder. Like when we spend time with these people, we're really like, man. People are weird, you know, like this is like when you when you're hanging out and it's like and if you don't ever have that thought, you're you're the one you're the one that's weird. OK, so it's like, yeah. but we're all to some degree. We have our quirks and everybody carries themselves a specific way, communicates in a different way. Everybody has certain passions and, you know, but we all we all bring that into the mix at Christmas time. Haven't spent time with one another. It's that dance. It's that awkward dance. What we talk about how's it going. You know, how's work, you know, whatever. And but it's just a great reminder of. Of how weird we are and 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 I was thinking about just family history in general. My dad was uh, really into family history when I was growing up, like big genealogy guy, like he wanted to trace us back to you know Adam or whatever and so he's he's doing he's doing everything uh old school this is back in the day pre internet you know what I mean like he is running down six cousins and and we have uh he 's got old photos and he 's going to the courthouse and you know and our generation comes along and just like just uses the internet and just like and so we have like ancestry.com 23andme so i spit on one of those things you know i mean they, they send them in the mail you spit on them and then you just willingly send people your dna which is wild but this is what we do and and we're just like tell me about my family and so and so you start to do the research on your family and you start to figure out who's related to who and you start to realize some things that maybe you didn't realize before. I don't know if you've had this moment or not. You know, a lot of times when you're a kid and, and you have like this romanticized view of your family, you get the filtered version, if that makes sense. And then the older you get and the more you adult, you get like the real version. And you're like, oh, my God. Like it starts to weird you out in a little bit. And, and it's just a reminder um, that that. This is the way, like of all the ways that God could choose to presence himself, the vehicle by which he chooses his family. And Jesus' family had, was jacked up just like your family is, okay? So like it really was, and I'm going to prove it to you, it's in, it's in the Bible. And, uh, but it's amazing to me, and I love it so much. The reason why it's good news of great joy for all people is uh, because God sees you, he loves you right where you are he desires to be in relationship with you and the whole point that we need Christ the whole reason why Jesus comes is because you need a savior and because I need a savior and so it shouldn't it shouldn't offend us it shouldn't catch us off guard we shouldn't be frustrated um, and so i love so much the fact that you know we are a byproduct you and i we're a byproduct of our family um, if you think about how significant you know parents and, and grandparents things like that but um but how sometimes we will filter information. Like if your great, 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 I don't know how many greats I need to add, grandpa was George Washington, you would flex on everybody. You would have a portrait of George Washington over your fireplace, just so when people come over, they're like, oh man, you like George Washington? That's really cool. You know, it's like, no, that's my grandpa. You know what I mean? That's that's the only reason why you would would, would, would do that. But also, if your uncle, your great uncle was Hitler, you probably wouldn't put that on the match.com profile. You would leave that off the dating website, whatever the date. I don't even know what the dating websites are, but you would leave it off of your profile. I'm going to leave that off. You know what I mean? I'm going to change my last name or what? Like we're going to do something different. So you would like hide the parts that are not the most redeeming side of who you are. And so, um, this is all in the Christmas narrative. I love it so much. Jesus shows up on the scene. Matthew one tells us the story and the lineage of Jesus, his background, his family, and, and so God chooses to presence himself by way of family. But, but another part that I love about the Christmas narrative is that when Jesus shows up, he shows up in Bethlehem and he does it to fulfill a prophecy. Micah 5 is what Matthew quotes. He doesn't quote the entire piece, but he nods to Micah 5. And it says this about Micah 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Another translation will put it this way. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter. And I love that. How does God choose to presence himself? He does so by way of family. Really colorful uh, bag of people. Really mixed bag of people, right? Uh, A bunch of characters who are part of the genealogy of Jesus. But then he also shows up on the scene in a real, so unassuming the way that Jesus shows up, cave, hillside, you know, a stable setting. And my dad's a carpenter and my mom's a teenage girl and they technically weren't married yet. And, you know, there's all these really, these details and, and unassuming, but also where he shows up is unassuming. Bethlehem. The runt of the litter. And and if you go to Bethlehem, it's actually still a dump today. It really is a dump. It's actually it's rated as one of the most underwhelming places to visit on the globe. People go and they expect like, I don't know what they expect. They expect like a live nativity, and you know, they expect like a star, and it's literally a dump. And so people are like, wow, this is where Jesus came. And God's like, Yep. And for the fullness of time, he decided Bethlehem's the spot. Like, that's, that's where I'm going to send my son. And it's such an encouragement to me. I remember moving to our first house here in Hickory. Uh, this was over 10 years ago. We moved here. And when we moved, we moved, uh, we moved just like right there at Longview. And, and if you know anything about Longview, Longview, baby, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? And so we, so we were right here at Longview and, and West Hickory. And, uh, and so we were trying to get a lay of the land, trying to better understand where we were moving to. And people were really excited. They were like, hey, Hickory's awesome. It's where they filmed the Hunger Games. And that was like the thing that people were really excited about. They filmed the Hunger Games here. And I was like, is that good that they decided, like, hey, let's film an apocalyptic movie. What's the best environment? These people are starving. They're killing each other for food. Where are we going to go they would just like tell that story. You know what I mean? Boom. Hickory is a great spot. And so I read, there was for real, it was an article <laughs> that I saw on live when we moved here and it said Hickory, North Carolina, deserted village, Hunger Games location. That's what it said. And I was like, what are we doing? And now of course it was just like a little, you know, it was like a little old mill situation and they, uh, but I thought that was hilarious. I was like, the thing that people were most excited about was that we were the setting of an apocalyptic movie. And, and I was like, it's, it's so funny to me. And, and here's the cool thing. God uses the most unassuming places and works through the most unassuming people to do his greatest work. Isn't that funny? Little Bethlehem. Mary, don't nobody know Mary. We do now. Joe, nobody knows this guy. We do now. And so God uses all these unassuming people. And it's just a reminder that God can use anyone from anywhere to do anything. If you don't hear anything else, I say today, Christmas is a great reminder that God can use you. God desires to use you. God has a great call and purpose for your life. And his, he can use anyone from anywhere to do anything. And and that that needs to just hit you right in the chest because some of you have disqualified yourself. God didn't, you did. And you need to stop making excuses about your lack of income or your lack of influence. You need to stop making excuses about your uh, your lack of pedigree or your lack of education or whatever things you think disqualify you from the call that God has on your life. But God can use anyone from anywhere to do anything. And instead of asking this question, why in the world would God choose to to have a relationship with someone someone like me? Why in the world, like I have a really sordid past, I have a really jacked up family, like I have a really jacked up context. Like you don't realize what I've done, what I've been through. Why in the world would God use someone like me? Instead, ask this question: Why not? Matter of fact, say that with me. Say, why not? Why not? Why not me? Why not now? Why not here? And people think that, like, you have to have all these specific things in place. Like, we, it has to look a certain way, be in a certain place. Like, I have to, ha- I have to be a certain type of person. <laughs> and, the, and the Christmas message in the Bible in general is just like, nope, that's not the way that works. As a matter of fact, the more messed up you are, the, the more qualified you are to be used by God in great ways. And so that's what we see in the Christmas narrative. Again, Micah 5.2 It says, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule. Talking about Bethlehem. He will shepherd rule. He will be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. I love that. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. And so Matthew 1, your New Testament, new covenant, a new promise Through Christ, is started with the gospel of Matthew in the canon of Scripture. When you open up your Bible, you go to the New Testament. It's Matthew. Matthew starts everything off. Here's good news. Family. And he starts with Matthew 1. And then in verse 17, here's what he says. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And Matthew, who is Jew, he's a Jewish Jewish background and a Jewish believer in Jesus. He's trying to convince a primarily Jewish audience that Jesus is the Messiah. And he says, hey, a really important part of this is I have to prove where Jesus came from and his lineage and his family and his background. And so he decides to give us the family tree of Jesus. We know mom and dad. We're well acquainted with mom and dad. But Jesus has got crazy uncles, and he's got like he's got aunts, and he's got like he's got people in his background, like just like you and me. He's got a really colorful family, and so uh, for a first-century Jew, your family tree is your resume. It is your resume. It's your portfolio. Like it can open up doors, and and it can also disqualify you from some opportunities. There are 700 prophecies given in the Old Testament pointing towards the Messiah. And and one of those, we've already covered, that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then another one of these prophecies has to do with family lineage. And so all of this is about Jesus being who God called him to be. God makes a promise with David, King David, in 2 Samuel uh, 7. And he makes this promise to David that the Messiah is going to come from his side of the family. It says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, God's talking to David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Not your kingdom, his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so... Matthew goes all the way back when he's in Matthew one, he goes, he decides I'm gonna go all the way back to grandpa, Abraham, father, Abraham had many sons, many sons have father, Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you Let's all praise the Lord, right arm. And so, so, so he says, I'm gonna go all the way back to, to Abraham. And he does it really just to prove a point. Hey, I could just stop with David. It will fulfill the prophecy. I'm gonna go all the way back. Just to prove my point. And the good news of the coming of Jesus, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the commission of the local church, and the return of Jesus, the New Testament itself starts with the account of the family tree. I love this. And so the branches of the family tree of Jesus aren't perfect, they're a little crooked, they're a little twisted. There's some story. There's some things in this text. Like if you know, the way to read the Bible is just to read all of it. That's the way to read the Bible. So if you take stuff out of context, sometimes you'll lose it. But if you know the whole narrative, you can go, whoa, and you can see everything. So, for example, in Matthew 1, it says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. But if you go to verse 3, it says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Verse six, King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been your wife's wife. Why would you word it that way, Matthew? Anyway, verse six. And then verse 16, you fast forward Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And uh, I love it because Matthew decides to leave everything in. The good, the bad, the ugly. You ever apply for a job like you, you're like, really want this job? And you're kind of deep in the interview process or whatever. You have to put together your resume for this job, and you're, you're after it. You want it. And you're looking at your work history, and you're like, past 10 years, here's my work history. But there's that one little spot on the work history. You're like, oh That was not great. That was not a great experience. Boss hated me. I was terrible at my job. Didn't know what I was doing or I was just having a rough season or whatever. It was like a year and a half that you were working at this job. And so you decide when you put the work history in, I'm just going to put these these jobs in and maybe not reference or whatever. And And then the employer looks at you like, what about this year and a half period? And you're like, well... See what had happened was see, we, you know because you just don't want to address the the mess of that part of your work history, and we do it with work history. We do it with family. I, I know people who have acted like they didn't have certain family members because they were embarrassed about those family members. We do it with our own story. Oh, man, we do it with our own story. We, we, like, we, we like the shiny parts. Give me that good angle. You know what I'm talking about? The more redeeming aspects of who we are. when it comes to some of the baggage or the junk in our life, some of the brokenness, we're like, oh, we're good. We're good. You know, like everybody's got stuff. Look around this room. For real. Take five seconds to just look around the room. For real. Do, do me a favor. Just look around. I know it's weird. You don't, you don't want to make eye contact with certain people. Whatever. Just look around. Okay they're all messed up okay and if you think if you think you're not that's your problem right you have problems and that's your problem you're just you and so we all need Jesus every single one of us need Jesus and the thing I love about Matthew's account is he decides to leave all of the colorful parts of the background and the lineage of Jesus in here that really just is an encouragement to me I love it so much that he leaves it in the text and uh Matthew doesn't hold back. This is what verse five says. It says, Salmon, the brother of the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And again, if you're new to the Bible and you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about right now. Rahab, uh, it's a big deal that Rahab is in this because for a couple of reasons. One, Rahab is a woman. And if you would have been a first century Jew, um, you wouldn't have put women in your genealogy. She's the first of many women mentioned in Matthew's account of the family tree of Jesus. And I love that he decides it. Jesus, Jesus comes along and just changes the game. No longer is it Jew or Greek. No longer is it free or slave. No longer is it men or women. No longer is it black or white. No longer is it money, no money. No longer, he, he changes everything and he equalizes everything. He humbles and levels the playing field, but just by way of his name. And so Rahab enters the picture and she's in the family tree of Jesus. She's a woman and it's a big deal. And so uh, no one has done more to elevate women than Jesus Historically, you watch his life, you watch his teachings, you watch his, you watch the way that he interacts with people. <laughs> Even in this genealogy, he's doing it. And so, but Rahab's also an interesting character because Rahab introduces uh, her brokenness, her sin, her past is that she was a prostitute. And it's like if you were going to build a family tree of the Messiah, King of Kings, you were going to say, "Hey, here's his family." Hi. I mean, I would have been like, I don't know if we need that. I, mean, I think we could, like, we could probably leave that out. Joshua tells us, as a matter of fact, when Joshua, Joshua mentions Rahab, it, says, it calls it Rahab the harlot. And, and so um, the question is, why does Matthew leave it in? And Matthew leaves it in because it was true. And Matthew leaves it in because Christmas is good news of great joy for all the people. Not some of them, not the ones who look like they got it together. This just as jacked up. But, 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 but people who are, everybody's aware of your sin. Matter of fact, so aware that you are now called the harlot. Like you have the title attached to your brokenness. And sometimes we do that. We'll step into this, uh, this identity that's not in Christ, but in the things that we've done. And so, um, I, I love that he leaves in this part of his so that there's a part of brokenness there here's another one in in verse three if we go back it says judah judah the father of perez and zara whose mother was tamar and so judah and tamar the parents of perez and Zerah. again if you don't have any biblical context you're like big deal who cares except judah was also tamar's father-in-law it's gross. Okay? So it's like this is in your Bible, okay? So and the way that we got there was she lied to him, she tricked him, and you're like, that's messed up on her part because he thought he was with a prostitute. You're like, oh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna make better use of some of kids. You know, I'm looking at some of you, your faces, but this is in your Bible. You read it, it's in scripture, verse three, it's all in there. And, and Matthew, Matthew one, Jesus is saying through, through Matthew, who's writing this by the power of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I'm the Messiah and my family is messed up. Like my, my background is, is messed up. And so why wouldn't he just say, I'm a descendant from one of the tribes of Judah and I'm a descendant of David. That would have been sufficient, but he doesn't do that. He leaves all this in here for a reason. <laughs> He leaves all of it in there, and it's such an encouragement to me. Look at verse 6. It says, uh, King David. We're going to King David. Everybody loves King David. Come on. Let's go. King David. David was the father of Solomon. And then he says, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And so why wouldn't you just say, King David, father of Solomon? But instead, Matthew chooses to remind the reader, oh, yeah, and David had an affair with Bathsheba while Uriah was married to her. It's basically exactly what he said. If you were a Jew, you would have read all this. Bro. They put Rahab in there. That's crazy. You know what I mean? They're referencing the Judah and the Tamar thing. That's wild. And 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 he's just calling David out like that. You know what I mean? He's just calling David out, shooting shots. Matthew. And so, um, not only does David introduce adultery, but if you know the narrative and you know the story, so Uriah is one of the leaders in his military. He's a bodyguard essentially to David. David likes his wife, looks lustfully as his wife, says, I want her for my own. Sends Uriah to the front of the battlefield, knowing that that's going to be his death. Basically kills Uriah so that he can have his wife. And then Matthew puts it in the text. So not only, and God addresses all this to David. So so not only is, is adultery entered into the mix, but now murder is entered into the mix. I don't know how crazy your family is, but this is a crazy family. You know what I mean? This is wild. What's in here? And Jesus goes, okay. Adultery, murder, again, through Matthew, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, leave him in. Leave him in. He He's in too. And so uh, these are just like, these, these parts of his lineage are just a sampling of the ancestry of Jesus and some of the brokenness and some of the sin and some of the things that missed the mark attached to his lineage. And so... In this list where he's showing the resume and the pedigree of Jesus, Matthew is saying Jesus is related to David. But Matthew is also writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he takes note of all the twisted parts of the story of Jesus. And he decides to leave them in here. Y'all ever seen, um, we were watching the other day, the old school Rudolph. Oh, hit so hard. Go home and buy that if you don't have it. And, and, but there's this part where there's the island of misfit toys. You know what I'm talking about? And, um, and Rudolph has a red nose. Nobody knows what to do with this weird. It makes a weird noise. And, and, but he goes to Islands of Misfit Toys, and everybody's got something. And they're like, oh, we're all messed up. Cool. And then, and then it, by, by the end, I'm spoiling it for you. I mean, go home and buy it. But, but, but by the end, they're all used, and they're all, they all experience meaning. And, oh, man, it hits so hard at the movies, 2024. But, we're, but, but, like, it's such a good redeeming plot. But it's the whole idea is Island of Misfit Toys. We all have things. We all have quirks, we all have inconsistencies, we all have sin, we all have brokenness, we all have our predispositions to struggle. But in Christ, we experience fulfillment. In Christ, we experience all that God has for us, not in our own strength, but this is the reason for Christmas. And it's a reminder that just because you have a past, it doesn't mean you can't have a future. Every single one of the family members of Jesus, all of them have stuff. But in Christ, have a glorious future. And you and I are the same. The meaning behind Christmas isn't about a party or a holiday. It's about a rescue mission. Jesus comes, he tells us this, to seek and save that which is lost. And all the prophecies, over 700 of these prophecies, point to who we are in Jesus, point to what God has for us in Christ. And so I don't know what I don't know what is keeping you from like leveling up in your faith, in your surrender, in your desire. I know because if you're here to some degree, you want more of God or you wouldn't be here. Or you got juked and you thought this was brunch and it's not brunch. And I'm so sorry, but like you can address that whoever brought you, but like you're here for some reason you you showed up. And the idea is I'm here for cultural reasons. I just get judged if I don't go to church or I'm here out of just religious tradition. And this is my flow. I do this on Sundays or I'm here because I really do desire more of God. But there's some things that are holding me back. And there's some things that you and I try and manage in our own strength that we try and hide that we don't really deal with, that you really need freedom from. And the only way, the only way is in Christ. Like Jesus is the only one that offers you freedom and forgiveness and salvation and reconciliation. Even the most vulnerable, most crooked, most messed up parts of your story, I believe in Christ over time becomes a testimony to his faithfulness. So the people who are really leaning, like putting all your weight on and this is a growing exercise for all of us, but you're putting your, all your weight on it, are the people who are just being like, yep. And you just kind of like just tell people your story, like even the ugly parts. and, and But on faith, you do that and real confidence to be like, yeah, this is who I was and this is who I am in Christ. And a lot of times in church spaces, we like to pretend like this is who I was 10 years ago. I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm, 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 this. I'm shooting from the hip now. So, uh, so a lot of times we we'll like that. We like to say, Hey, this is, you know, this is my story from 10 years ago. This is when I came to faith in Jesus. You will always need to know God more. You will always need more freedom. You will always discover more purpose and you will always, you're called to make more of a difference. Whatever difference you're making, you're called to make more. And the only way to get there is a willingness to surrender more of what he wants you to surrender. And just stop hiding, but just like put it out there and just be like, this is our stuff, this is who I am, and this is what I'm believing God for in my family in this season. Because of all the prophecies, and there's over 700 messianic prophecies about Jesus. Many of these prophecies in the book of Isaiah, if you get some time, spend some time in the book of Isaiah. But look at this, Isaiah 53, verse 6, all like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone hey, everyone, and we forget this as the church because we like like to pretend that we didn't need Jesus just like the people around us need Jesus. Sometimes we forget that everyone, you know what that is in the original language? Everyone, that's what that is, okay? So they did the work for us. We all have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And we've all got a past that we all need help with. You cannot sort your past out on your own. You can't find freedom on your own. Only Jesus can can do this for you. And the the Luke 2 reference of, hey, this is good news of great joy for all the people, is that's, that's a message for you. And that's a message for the person sitting next to you. A lot of times we only like to think about it in relationship to the person sitting next to us. Yeah, they need to hear that. That is a good word for them. And and meanwhile, like the Holy Spirit's like screaming at you, like stop looking at the speck in their eye. Meanwhile, you got a log in your own eye. In Matthew 7, this is what Jesus tells us. So the idea is, hey, what? What are the things in my own life, in my own story? What are the areas of surrender that I have? Realizing that Jesus comes and the whole message of Christmas is good news of great joy for all people. And Jesus comes so that I could experience restoration. Everybody needs him. You've never met anybody that doesn't need him. And, and, and so this is the reason why he comes is because we need a savior. And it's not, if we're not careful, we'll just like mission drift and we'll make it about like a nativity scene or we'll make it about like a, or, or even worse, like we'll make it about like some kind of like, let's just turn up, let's have a party, let's chop a tree now, bring it in, decorate it. Let's, you know, like, let's do these things without ever going, wait a minute, what is this about? And the whole reason why we do what we do at Christmas is just a reminder that God is for us. God sees you and his desire is to be with you. He came to be with you, and then Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection, he lays down his life for your life and for my life, and then he offers to be with you ongoing. Hey, the only thing better than me walking beside you is my spirit in you, and we can do that by relationship with him. So for everybody who's going public today with baptisms, they've made that decision. This is who I am in Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for me, and I'm willing to put down my old self And my own motivations and my own selfish tendencies and the way that I used to think about the world. And now in Christ, I'm just going to think about things in a completely different way. God, would you shift my perspective, lift my head, help me to see Jesus and empower me by your spirit. And church, I think we should pray the same thing. So let me pray for us right now. Father, thank you so much for today. God, grateful for Christmas. Grateful that you love us so much that you came and god we i'm i'm so grateful that you can you can use anyone from anywhere to do anything what you desire is willingness and what you desire is obedience and what your ask is of us is that we would just lay down our agenda and step into your agenda and so jesus right now would you just speak to us in our situation Would you just reveal to us the areas of inconsistency in our own walk, in our own life, areas that we have to level up. And maybe as we talk about family, as we talk about extended family, we begin to see people in our lives in a different light. God, grateful for the message in Matthew 1. Just because we have a past, just because we have brokenness, just because we have sin in our lives and things, hard things that we're going through doesn't mean we don't have... A glorious future in you. And so I pray that we would experience that. I pray that we would experience that glorious future. And so for the person who's here, and you just feel far from God, you, you can be in a church space, or you can be around church people, or you can know facts about Jesus, or you... None of these things change anything. The only thing that really shifts your perspective, brings you salvation, brings you freedom, brings you the joy that you so desperately desire is Jesus. And so, if you're here and you are ready to surrender your life to Christ, go all in, not play games, not give Him part of your life, but give Him your whole self, your relationships, your time, your motivation your heart, your resource, if you give him everything, all of you, and just say, God, I'm willing to surrender, and I'm willing to trust you with every part of who I am, my marriage, God, my my dating life, my, you know, fill in the blank, and I'm ready for you to be in charge. If you're here today and ready to surrender your life to Jesus, put your faith and your trust in him. The Bible tells us that we do so by by placing our faith on him but also confessing with our mouths that he is lord giving it giving an opportunity for us to confess jesus is lord we want to do that right now for those of you that are ready to do that so if you're here and you're surrendering your life to christ would you just lift your hand in the room and just say i need all that jesus paid for amen is there anybody else Just say i feel far from god in this season i know i've got all kinds of things in my my life and in my story that are just inconsistent with a call that he has on my life amen I see you. is there anybody anybody else who say that's for me I needed this today and I'm realizing that God can use anyone from anywhere to do anything if that's you and you're placing your faith and trust in Jesus would you just pray this prayer with me Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for seeing me God thank you for coming on ransom for me And you came for your church because you came for me and I see you for who you are. And in this moment, I can't help but love you. And I feel drawn to you. And it is your grace that saves me. But God, I, I commit my life to you. I commit my life to you. I surrender. I'm laying down arms. I'm trying arms. I'm tired of making it about myself. I'm tired of being selfish. Would you take my my sins, past, present, and future, what you've already paid for, would you forgive me of those sins? And God, would you give me the courage of conviction, the confidence to be able to step into the future that you've created for me? I wanna submit my life to your word. God, I wanna be led by your spirit. Jesus, would you do that moving forward? Thank you for loving me. God, thank you for bringing me here in this moment. You saw me, you knew me from the beginning of time and you knew that this moment would happen where you would draw me close to yourself. Thank you for the family members and the friends and the people that you used, all the ways that you used to bring me to this moment, God. I just celebrate and honor the fact that you are a good shepherd who leaves 99 to come and rescue me. Thank you for loving me and for coming after me. God, thank you for placing the iniquity Uh, of of our sins on your son what we couldn't carry in our own strength jesus you do so we celebrate you we honor you god we worship you in this season it's all about you lord we love you it's in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen and amen church can we celebrate life change and those who are giving their lives to jesus today can we stand to our feet let's stand let's worship together